Welcome to the show, everybody. This is Mimas Fractalus, and I'm your host, Orin Castillo. This episode of the podcast is brought to you by The Real Barber Shop, located in Billy City on Euphrates Avenue. The Real Barber Shop offers basic haircuts, but they're anything but basic. You only get the best, most high-quality haircut in Billy City. They also offer hair illusion augmentations, which takes about an hour and costs between $50 and $75. It includes color enhancements and cosmetic hair filling. You can contact them on Messenger or by phone number 651-8628. Your quote today from Albert Einstein. He said, education is what remains after one has forgotten everything he learned in school. And your math joke for today. Why should a math teacher never call her students average? Because it's a mean thing to say. Today with me on the show, I have my good friend, Mr. Edison Ogales. Mr. Ogales in a former life was a BDF officer. Today, he is presently a teacher at a local high school in Billy City and a head of department. Mr. Ogales, welcome to the show. Evening. I'm happy to be on the show, my buddy. Happy to be on the show. So, Mr. Ogales, can you tell us when the BDF was established and around what time you joined the BDF? Okay, uh, the BDF was established in 1978, and I joined it in 1982 for the first time as a volunteer soldier, but I joined full-time in 1985. Okay, so you have been with the BDF almost since its inception. So, during your time in the BDF, you have done many jungle patrols in and around Belize and near the border. Over that time, for many years, have you noticed a difference in the ecosystem of the jungle? Many people believe that climate change is a real factor in how the world is changing and the direction it is going towards. Some people believe that it's a myth. From your experience, being actually in the jungle and seeing how things have changed over a period of years, most recently, you know, in the past 30 years or so, what do you think? I believe climate change is a fact. But to tell you that I have been back to the areas that have patrolled will be stretching the truth. But I've observed, I visited my village. I was born in Barranco Village and I visited almost every year. I observed that places where, I used to, where we used to have beaches are no longer there. Uh, the, the coast as well has come westward, there are many points that, that, that have disappeared in fact. So I believe that it is real. I also observed it in the Stan Creek district in a village called uh, Monkey River. Actually, Monkey River is northern Toledo, but it is right adjacent to the Stan Creek district. Okay. Over the years, with Belize, I remember when I was a kid, Almost every Christmas around that time used to be cold. But now, as an adult, I notice it's almost hot every Christmas, right? In general, you would say it supports um, the theory of climate change? I do believe this. In fact, I can recall the jackets that my grandmother used to buy for me in, uh, while, I was a, while I was a child. And indeed, Christmas, no, from November onwards until about February were, were cold. Okay, so... The heat is almost year-round now, right? So, 
you have patrolled the borders very much and some people like to say that borders are artificial and not real is there a clear demarcation with belize and guatemala the southern border is clear but the western border along with guatemala is not as clear as it ought to be okay so if um we go to the icj which is in the process and we win then it is most likely that that will be clearly demarcated yes I believe that is one of the big goals. In fact, it has always been a goal for Belize and even before Belize uh, for the United Kingdom, of which we were a colony. But something went badly wrong and it wasn't really completed. Okay, so if it is done, right, you have personally patrolled these borders and seen where there have been incursions from Guatemalans onto our side. Do you think if there is this clear demarcation that will lessen the number of incursions? I do believe it will reduce the incursions. I won't go as far as saying that it will. the incursions will disappear because the Guatemalan people are under heavy pressure in terms of uh, land and properties. And uh, I'm a historian by, by, by career. One can see that uh, the, the poor people in Guatemala really have nowhere else to go. Okay, so it may reduce but not completely stop. You mentioned your career, right? You are a history teacher. So looking at the education system in Belize, past and present, as I usually do on this show, what comparisons do you have from when you were a child growing up, attending school, and now as a teacher teaching high school? What comparisons can you give? In terms of punishment, I think that is out of control in the sense that students are getting away with a lot of, a lot of bad behavior. In my day, I am not saying that my crowd was perfect, but the teacher had a lot of uh, responsibilities, including discipline. Today, I don't think that we have any of that. In terms of objectives and lesson preparations and the transmission of information to students, I think that it has improved, but I still don't compare it with the day that I was going to school. Okay, so if you were personnel in charge in the Ministry of Education, what changes would you implement to improve our educational system? If I were in that capacity, I would improve the conditions under which teachers work. For example, I would give better salaries. I would prepare programs that allow students who are difficult with having difficulty in following orders and discipline in specialized schools with specialized teachers. Because as it is, let me use myself as an example. I think I spend too much time trying to discipline uh, certain students and holding and, ho the, and which holds back my class from achieving what it ought to achieve within a 40-minute period. I think that more schools should be built that, that look after students who are not as well-behaved as most students are. So you're advocating for the implementation of centers that are geared towards instilling discipline first and then 
the academics can follow. Absolutely. Turning to another topic related with education. When you were a child, there wasn't so much technology growing up. Probably, you know, radios, televisions, but there were certainly no um, readily available computers and tablets and cell phones and all that stuff. How do you evaluate technology with the youth and their education today? Is it helpful? Is it hurtful? How do you see it? They're both helpful and dangerous. So one has got to, uh, institutions have had to cre- create a balance. I believe that there is much more good that we can use telephones and other um, medium in order to, to teach. But we have to keep it under control because uh, students are, are very creative and not necessarily creative to the good ends. That brings to mind the laptops that have been given to pilot schools for first and second forms. I have heard that there have been many good things that have come from it. Students have been more productive in some cases. In other cases, without proper monitoring, students have been chatting during school time with other schools. There have been, you know, many things that are good and bad. What do you think of the system in terms of the laptops being free? I know it is still the case that if students misplace it or they damage it, they have to pay for it. But in the first instance, it is issued to them free. What do you think about that? I believe it is a good idea that that students are issued those um, laptops, but they should sign written contracts to to care for them, so that they know the the value, and that it isn't something that is dropped from heaven. It it, it has a value, and and so it should serve the, them good as well as the institution. Okay, I do believe that. Some, if not all, institutions do do stipulate that their students sign a contract that you know has the value that they would have to repay if the laptops are damaged or lost, etc. And now it is time for five for five. In five for five, I usually ask five rapid fire questions. Normally, when it is a more edgeable person, I ask them something about technology. When it's a younger person, I ask them something more of the case where an older person would know it to see if they know, right? So it's usually flipped and vice versa like that. So for you, I'll ask you five phrases. I'll, I'll tell you five phrases and ask you if you know what they mean. So first one, I think everybody knows, but let's see. L O L. Laugh out loud. All right. Good start. Next, TTYL. I don't know that one. Totally, totally something. (laughs) Good try, but no, it's talk to you later. The third one, SMH. No, don't know that one either. That one is shaking my head. Like when somebody does something disappointing... You would, you know, type in just SMH, shaking my head. The fourth one, OFC. Okay, so that one is of course. Right. In some of them, each letter stands for a, a, um, a whole word. In some of them, it's not quite. And the fifth and final one, JK. Just no. So close, so close. 
<laughs> it's just kidding. Oh my god. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. Thank you for being a guest on the show today, Mr. Regales. You're welcome, buddy. And today I want to leave you with some facts about Antoine Lavoisier. Antoine Lavoisier, also known as the father of modern chemistry, was born in Paris, France on August 26, 1743. His mother died and he inherited a great deal of money, which he used to set up a laboratory in Paris where he could run experiments. His lab became a gathering place of scientists. It was in this lab where Lavoisier made many of his important discoveries in chemistry. Lavoisier considered important to use experiments, precise measurements, and facts in science. One of the main scientific theories of Lavoisier's time was the phlogiston theory. This theory stated that fire, or combustion, was made up of an element called phlogiston. Scientists thought that when things burned, they released phlogiston into the air. Lavoisier disproved the phlogiston theory. He demonstrated that there was an element called oxygen that played a major role in combustion. He also showed that the mass of products in a reaction are equal to the mass of the reactants. In other words, no mass is lost in a chemical reaction. This became known as the law of conservation of mass and is one of the most important and basic laws of modern chemistry and physics. During his experiments, Lavoisier discovered that water was a compound made of hydrogen and oxygen. Prior to his discovery, scientists throughout history had thought that water was an element. Lavoisier wrote the first chemistry textbook in 1789, called Elementary Treatise of Chemistry. This was the first chemistry textbook. The book contained a list of elements, the most recent theories and laws of chemistry, and refuted the existence of phlogiston. Unfortunately, when the French Revolution began in 1789, Lavoisier was executed by guillotine. He was done so because he was a tax collector for the government, and therefore branded a traitor. And now I leave you in the wise words of Mark Twain. He said, Don't let schooling interfere with your education. And if you have been listening to previous episodes, you might be wondering, but wait, I thought Albert Einstein said that. Well, all along I've been making a mistake. I liked that quote and I used it. I've been using it, but I didn't bother to double check where I had heard it from. So this is a lesson to everyone. Check your sources. (laughs) 